I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. People in Lebanon have been waking up to seemingly rival time zones. For some people, it was six in the morning, but for others, it was seven. Since last Sunday, the city has been embroiled in a state of utter disorientation and confusion. Haruka Naito, a Japanese non-government worker living in Beirut, tells the Guardian that she was stuck in a rather odd situation. Her appointment, which was supposed to be at 8 a.m., and her Arabic class, which was at 9 a.m., now fall at the same time. What is even going on here? How is that possible? Well, it's all politics. At the 11th hour, the Lebanese government decided to delay its current time zone by an hour. Prime Minister Najib Mekati took a call to not start daylight savings as per the usual time, which is the end of March, like other parts of Lebanon or Europe. Instead, he decided to roll it out after Ramadan. This will pave the way for Muslims to break their fast earlier, he says. However, many Christian authorities have refused it and decided to stick with their usual patterns. This issue quickly took a sectarian turn when the largest church in Lebanon, the Maronite Church, rejected the move. Lebanon's Education Minister Abbas Halabi also decided not to challenge the status quo. This divide led to a string of jokes about Muslim and Christian times, reminding everyone of the tumultuous history both factions have had with each other. During the 1970s and the 1980s, the Muslim and Christian communities of Lebanon were engaged in a civil war. Robin Wright, an American foreign affairs analyst, states that the main conflict was regarding the balance of power between majority Muslims and minority Christians at the time. However, the present strains are between the two Muslim subgroups, Sunnis and Shias, with the Christians forming alliances with both sides. So, what are the ramifications? You may ask. Well, the bottom line is that the country is in utter disarray. It is an understatement, to be honest. Schools and workplaces have no clue how to coordinate with students and employees. Organizations that are part of the government have adhered to the shift. But other private institutions are sticking to the old ways. Flights are not able to take off at the right time, and passengers are experiencing heavy delays and other unplanned itineraries. Middle Eastern Airlines, a major airline in Lebanon, has been trying to strike a balance by keeping winter times on their clocks and adjusting flight times in order to avoid any hiccups in their international schedules. Ugh, this sounds like such a hassle, isn't it? For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you read yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with food for thought. Hello, I'm Farheen Khan, and this is the deep dive for 28 March 2023. The news of the center extending the Foreign Contribution Regulation Act or the FCRA registration of NGOs by six months. Until September 30, 2023, may seem like a breath of fresh air, but we're not entirely sure if this extension is actually a relief for the NGOs, because in the past seven months, numerous NGOs, among them the Rajiv Gandhi Foundation, Rajiv Gandhi Charitable Trust, Oxfam India, 
and the Center for Policy Research have had their FCRA licenses either cancelled, suspended or declared expired. And currently, the FCRA Ministry Portal reports a decline in the number of active organizations holding FCRA licenses from 16,727 on August 12, 2022 to 16,352 as of March 26, 2023. But why is this a big deal? How does FCRA suspending licenses impact NGOs? Okay, so stay with me because this is going to be a long story. But first, let me give you a quick history lesson. The FCRA was put into effect during the emergency in 1976 with the aim of regulating foreign donations to individuals and organizations. Subsequently, in 2010, the UPA government made amendments to the law to consolidate it and restrict the use of foreign funds for activities that could prove harmful to national interests. The law was further amended in 2020 by the current government granting them increased authority to supervise and manage the flow and utilization of foreign funds by NGOs. Now, currently, the FCRA imposes certain requirements on individuals or NGOs that are seeking foreign donations. These requirements include registering under the Act, creating a designated bank account with State Bank of India in Delhi to receive the funds, and ensuring that the funds are utilized solely for the intended purpose as outlined in the Act. But it turns out some NGOs have not been playing by the rules of the FCRA, or so the government alleges. A recent Times of India report suggests that despite the cancellation of FCRA registration for 1,827 NGOs in the last five years, foreign funding for NGOs has actually gone up in India. In fact, it increased from 16,306 crore rupees in 2019-2020 to a whopping 22,085 crore rupees in 2021 and 2022. And it seems that the government's decision to crack down on NGOs was motivated by numerous complaints about FCRA registration associations using foreign contributions improperly or diverting them for their intended purpose. And this crackdown on Indian NGOs started ever since the Narendra Modi government came to power in 2014. Evidence indicates that shortly after coming into power, the new government started putting together a hit list of NGOs it suspected had shady funding and links to extremist groups. In fact, while addressing farmers in Western Odisha's Bargarh district in 2016, PM Modi claimed that NGOs were plotting against him and his government because he wanted them to be more accountable. Several high-profile NGOs are under pressure. Recently, the Ministry of Home Affairs claimed that the Delhi-based think tank Center for Policy Research had misused foreign funds for non-educational purposes. CPR denied these allegations. In an open letter, a group of almost 100 faculty members and researchers based out of India protested the government's decision to suspend CPR's FCRA registration. And it's not just regulatory problems. The non-profit sector in India is also facing financial constraints. According to the Center for Social Impact and Philanthropy's report, foreign donations bring in around 16,000 crore rupees or about $2 billion for Indian NGOs each year. But with stricter FCRA rules, NGOs will now have to seek different funding ways. Plus, sadly, NGOs in the country cannot entirely rely on local donations. The problem is that domestic philanthropy is not distributed evenly across different sectors of development 
and tends to prioritize only certain areas. While some sectors such as health and sanitation, education and rural development tend to receive significant donations from philanthropic individuals and institutions in India, NGOs that serve marginalized groups such as HIV-AIDS patients, unorganized labor, persons with disabilities and commercial sex workers often struggle to secure support from local donors. And get this! In the midst of NGOs' licensing challenges in India, the Tirumala Tirupati Devasthanams or the TTD, the country's wealthiest religious trust, is dealing with an unusual situation. With its FCRA registration suspended for the last three years due to some quote-unquote technical discrepancies, TTD is stuck with a mountain of cash from Hundi collections that it can't put in the bank. An Indian Express report notes that the TTD has been sitting on a pile of foreign currency donations amounting to 26.86 crore rupees for over a year. This includes 11.5 crore rupees in US dollars, 5.93 crore rupees in Malaysian ringgits and 4.06 crore rupees in Singapore dollars. If you like listening to The Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IBM. The episode was written, researched and produced by Manasmini and Akshaya, edited by Dinesh Narayanan, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.